Hello and welcome to the July 2022 episode of The Seagull. The Seagull is the place to stay up to date on everything you need to know about the 102nd Intelligence Wing at Otis Air National Guard Base, right here from beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I'm Tim Sandlin from Public Affairs, and I will get you up to speed on what's going on here at the Wing. In this month's show, Security Forces practices the profession of arms during an exercise on Joint Base Cape Cod. We hear an interview with the Wing Human Resource Advisor. We learn about one of our outstanding airmen, how she ended up being a member of the Wing. We also get a little information on the Community College of the Air Force, how it can help enhance your career. Finally, we hear a clip from this month's Chevrons. You won't want to miss it. But first, in this month's command message, Colonel Robert Driscoll, commander of the 102nd Medical Group, talks about why July 4th is his favorite holiday. Hello, I am Colonel Bob Driscoll, group commander of the 102nd Medical Group here at Otis Air National Guard Base. For this month's commander's message, I will talk about my favorite holiday, July 4th. It isn't my favorite holiday because we celebrate with cookouts, fireworks, and parades. It is my favorite holiday because it represents the Declaration of Independence and the birth of the United States of America as an independent nation. It celebrates our forefathers' fight for freedom, a fight we, as members of the Air National Guard, must continue each day to protect and preserve all the freedoms we enjoy. As President Ronald Reagan stated, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Our adversaries today would like to take those freedoms away from us. Just this month, China has added a third aircraft carrier to its fleet to extend their international reach and influence. We must be ready for the fight. As our Wing Commander Colonel Riley has stated, we must be ready to fight tonight. Our readiness is priority number one. As I mentioned in my last talk, our readiness includes not just our AFSC training, but our medical readiness and fitness as well. Our IMR, which is our individual medical readiness, must be 100%. This includes a current physical health assessment, a PHA, and immunizations. It includes being physically and mentally ready for the fight. If your IMR isn't ready, then you are not ready. It is our job at the medical group to ensure you are fit for the fight. We take this responsibility very seriously because so much rides on you to perform your job and protect our freedom. I will close with another quote from President Ronald Reagan. We're blessed with the opportunity to stand for something, for liberty and freedom and fairness. And these things are things worth fighting for, worth devoting our lives to. Airmen of the 102nd Intelligence Wing, I thank you for what you do to protect and preserve our nation's independence. Have a happy July 4th. 102nd Intelligence Wing Security Forces Airmen participated in a training exercise on Joint Base Cape Cod, Massachusetts on June 8th. The training ensures that when defenders deploy, 
they are able to effectively do their job. All right, today we are at uh, Claire Range on Camp Edwards. Uh, the exercises today, we are actually testing our defenders on their deployment skills. So for today's exercise, uh, we actually just observed the use of force scenario of villagers attempting to sell uh, their local produce uh, to our de deployed defenders. Uh, the deployed defenders do not have the local currency on them. They tried initiating uh, an exchange uh, in order to assist. They were trying to provide a resolution that was both peaceful on both sides. Uh, however, uh, with the demands that were made by the villagers, that was not possible. Uh, the villagers became agitated and began throwing their fruit uh, at our defenders. Uh, at which point uh, the operations commander, uh, Lieutenant Nancaro, uh, pulled his forces back and did not engage uh, exactly as was directed. We do the training to ensure that our defenders, when they make it downrange, uh, that they are able to effectively do their job uh, with the rest of the U.S. assets and coalition NATO units. Tech Sergeant Jay Whitaker interviewed our Wing Human Resource Advisor, Senior Master Sergeant Lushana Hainer recently. She talked about her responsibilities as the HRA, as well as the various diversity focus groups that were held during our annual training week. Good afternoon. I am with Senior Master Sergeant Lushana Hainer. You are the Human Resources Advisor for the 102nd IW. Uh, what exactly does that entail? And oh, Yeah, great question. So the Human Resource Advisor is the DEI program manager for the wing, um, which is an awesome position and, and an awesome job. I've loved every moment of it. Um, I do everything from talking, just going around and talking with the 102nd members um, and engaging with them, hearing their stories, hearing their experiences, to doing um, what we refer to as diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Uh, which involves or includes unconscious bias training, microaggressions, like how to deal with those, how to navigate in that, um, and how to not have it be a hindrance um, in, in the work that we do, but also in your personal lives. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, in the last uh, two years, obviously, uh, as we record this, it's June 2022. Um, could you tell us about more of what you've experienced over the last two years in the wake of George Floyd, in the wake of uh, civil unrest? How has that affected your position? Hmm. For me, it actually taking going back a little bit before that, um, after George Floyd, doing being in this role, um, I got into this position or I got selected for this position in August of 2019. Oh, wow. And then COVID happened. Right, yeah. So you, <laughs> you got right in the thick of it. Then COVID happened, um, and so and so trying to get spun up mm -hmm. uh, because there's an orientation course that I have to take as a HRA. Um, the class went from we're all heading out to McGee Tyson, yay, and meeting all <laughs> each other to we're all doing this virtually and we're figuring it out. Uh -huh. Um, and so that was that first hurdle for me of like this starting to be a reality check and a self-reflection. Um, and then in the height of COVID, um, I was like, wow, this is some really deep stuff. Yeah. Right. Because COVID, I think for us as a country, highlighted some of the hurdles we still had to overcome. Because you saw a difference in the different pockets of society that were being impacted and affected by COVID and, and the COVID treatment and the COVID rollout. 
and how there was still a, a lot of differences mm-hmm. um, in everything from patient treatment to um, to just the rollout of the vaccinations. And so going, you know, from that and then and then to look, layer that with George Floyd and then you had um, the 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 killing, the murder um, of Ahmad. Right. Right. And and then we had say her name and and all of these things culminating. Um, it was like the perfect storm. Right. Um, and and how do you navigate that? Right. And then we had, you know, this acknowledgement all of a sudden of of Juneteenth. Right. With with our uh, commander in chief at the time. And and so there was all of these different things going on. Um that were, no matter how you identify, no matter what social economic status you were in, you were affected. Um, and so, and then, as a guard member, especially as a drill status guards member, you were affected. And we had a lot of our guard members being activated to support a lot of things that necessarily weren't always in line with their community. I see. And, and and coming to terms with that and and having conversations with people who are like, yeah, I've been, you know, activated to support security forces and and I'm being called a traitor mm. by my own community. And so it was like, okay, how, how do I as an HRA navigate this? What do I do? What do I provide um, to speak and give voice to that? And I and for me it was becoming more um, insistent on on having conversations and doing trainings. So I actually, as soon as I was, uh, actually before I had completed uh, my orientation training, my predecessor was still um, a member of the wing, and we went crazy with just doing, we were talking to, to groups and, and squadrons and saying, we'll do a virtual training with you. Right. You, we need space for this. We, what do we, what do, how do you want me to flex? I'll flex. Um, and so we, because of COVID and the COVID restrictions, drills were all over the place. They, there was no definite consistency to that whole uh, practice of one week in a month, the first weekend of the year. And so all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're drilling on the second weekend. I will make myself available. Um, so for me, that was, and, and then which I feel like this was also good for me. It was a personal improvement reflection point as well with everything going on because um, ever since I've been in, um, and I've been in now for over 26 years, I've always done something in in IT until um, in 2013 or so I became a first sergeant and then I did two terms of that and then I went, from that to becoming an HRA. And so everything, even in my civilian job, was always about cybersecurity and tech. And all of a sudden there was this moment and, and this point of self-reflection for me and, and being an HRA and seeing the impact that I could have where I was like, I want to do this. I want to do this all the time. I want to make a difference in the world. And so I actually went back to school. That's awesome. I went back to school. I... Um, and I, I applied to and got accepted into the Tufts University's um, diversity leadership program. And um, amazingly, it's already been two years, and I'm just about done with it. 
Um, but I remember a lot of people asking me, they're like, why, why are you doing this? Like, why, are you, why this career change? And, and why this career? And, and my answer was always um, being a mom, a member of the military, this is how I can see having the most impact for my kids. And then um, a couple of months later or more, um, I had the opportunity. I, I happened to be walking around, and I had the opportunity to meet a young airman um, who was going around because he was in processing to become a part of, of the organization of the 102nd. And I remember talking to him and telling him, you know, hey, we, I'm the HRA, and these are all the things we were doing, and I'm looking at him, and I said, and I do this because of you, because I'm, I'm nearing retirement. Yeah. Um, but it's because of you. It's because I want you to have a phenomenal experience, and I want your experiences, the things that I have that are not the brightest moments, um, and being a member of the the guard of being a member of the military I want you to not have those I you're gonna have different ones but I don't want you to have the ones that I've had that right. that there's no reason for it um so yeah that's that's the aha moments that I've had with COVID and and all of the social unrest and and being in uniform and and being at this point in my life yeah my goodness, that well, that that was a, that was a, a lot right there, <laughs> and I, I'm grateful just for you for sharing that. Um, circling back to this week, we've uh, during a, we have AT training, so we've been doing a lot of lunch and learns. Uh, could you tell us about that? Just uh, uh, your experience doing that. Yeah, so um, we reestablished the 102nd Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council recently. Yay! Um, it was great to have it back online, and um, I decided um, I was going to take it in a slightly different uh, way. Um, most Air National Guard wings have a diversity council of right. some sort, um, and, and they definitely do a lot of good things within their communities. Um, but what I noticed was that often diversity counselors or diversity equity and inclusion councils or any variation of that naming structure um they often take bite a lot they come out charged and ready to go and we're going to accomplish all of these things and inevitably what happens is you have um a plethora of ideas right and it's like they're great ideas and and they're really meant to improve the community but then they look back over the year and go okay so what on our list did we actually accomplish and i didn't want that for the 102nd i see um so i said we're gonna we're gonna spend a little differently we're gonna have the diversity council but we're gonna do this thing called focus groups uh, which for people who also work in the civilian world um it's 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 akin to ERGs, employer resource groups, and so uh, with each focus group being representative or intended to represent a specific identity group. Uh, so, like for example, Asian American Pacific Islander, right, as an example. And so, um, and and the reason I did that was I said each of these focus groups um, will have allies and members on it who identify that way. Because they'll be able to streamline and focus on activities and events and sharing um, their stories and, and teaching um, about the, 
the awesome things that have happened um, that they want to champion to see more of, but also some of the hurdles and things that they that are specific to them right. versus saying, hey, Diversity Council, who covers all of these things here, take on all, you know, all of these issues, all of these good things, all of the things we want to see continue. And so I, I really put the onus on the focus group with the Diversity Council kind of being there as a support. Um, and so once that was really realized um, and had started to grow some legs to it, I said, it would be great. We're out here for a week to do a focus group week. And so I sat down with, with the wing leadership and they were like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. You know, run with it. Um, and, and what I have to say is it was, it was better than what I could have imagined. Right. Um, I went into it saying, I want this to be an opportunity to, for, for some of the focus groups, because it was a, it was a week, it was only five days. So there was no way that each focus group could have something. Um, so it could only be a few of the focus groups. And I was like, oh, this will be a great way for them to share their culture, share their experience, share some, give something for people to take a bite of. And, and then um, as far as learning and then go from there. And um, I, I honestly have to say there were members from the 102nd that showed up in ways that I didn't think I, I just couldn't have imagined. Um there was there was sharing of stories that I don't think anybody who heard the storyteller, so like Shazam. Yes. Right? I, I don't think anybody who truly processed and heard his story will ever be the same. I think that right. that from that interaction they're hopefully a better person. Um and and I think that and I hope that through this focus group, all of the different interactions, um, I mean, and, and there's going to be some names that I drop, um, not not that other people weren't helpful, um, but that really just still leave me in awe. Um, Senior Amarin Cabral, phenomenal Absolutely. job with the um, Hispanic Latin American uh, heritage. Uh, focus group day um, she kicked it off and she knocked it out of the park um, and she had posters and and shared information and it gave people a chance to engage and learn without it being this um, almost seeming like it was a fake attempt at learning about another culture she um, made it an experience she made an experience absolutely and, and set the tone you know uh, for those listening, I was there as well. <laughs> but, um, it, yeah, she made it an experience. And, and it, it, each day you see more and more people coming up, not just for the food, but they want to hear the stories because, you, you know, in guard units we're all from, a lot of us are from the same region. And so we may not have uh, too many, I won't say, I don't want to use the word outsiders, but we may not have too many transplants coming in from people from all across the country, all over the world. So it's very nice to hear these different stories and very uh, various experiences from everybody because we all learn from, uh, we're all on the same team and we're all trying to bond together. So it's nice to hear the resiliency from a different perspective of somebody that went through challenges that we've never really uh, experienced or let alone took for granted. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I what I... um. 
and and for those who are listening who sat in some of my trainings, <laughs> yeah, this is gonna sound like redundant. You've heard this from me before, but I what I what I wanted for focus group week that I feel like we hit the mark on is getting an acknowledgement that everybody has a story worth sharing mm-hmm. and worth listening to. And nobody's no two stories are alike. It, it doesn't matter if, you know, it. it's not just around, you know, female, male, um, black, white. It's, it's German, it's Italian, it's, you know, it's Asian. It's, and, and even within those groups, everybody has their own story. And, and I hope that with this event, this week of events that, that's not complete yet, uh, we, we still have, we have one more um, event on coming up, um, which I'm looking forward to, and that's a color run. Um, we're, again, making sure we share something um, for people to take away. But I, I hope that everybody learned that everybody has a story. You just got to take time and, and hear it. And, and to the point you made, right, we're all from the same region, but but we're not all the same people. Mm. Um, Say that again. Say that again. <laughs> we are from the same region, <laughs> but we're not all the exactly. same people. Um, and, and I think, I hope people take that to heart. Um, yeah. I really it there's there's value added to our differences. Um, I often use myself as an example in my trainings and I go, if I'm in a room around a table with a bunch of people who look and think and act and talk and have similar experiences to me, I'm not gonna grow. And and there's so much that I'm going to miss out on. Yeah. Um e- even work related, I'm gonna miss out on. Um and in the 102nd and the members in the 102nd in this community, because it is a community, right? Uh, I mean, that's one of the things I think being in, in as a reservist for over two decades um, that I, I that I did appreciate about the about the reserves, which which is why I'm still in, is that there is this is a family, absolutely right. This is a family, and so acknowledging and celebrating what makes us similar with the uniform we wear uh, and, and the fact that we took an oath and we raised our hand and we swore it. Even civilians make a, make a commitment, Correct. right? So, so everybody makes a commitment. But even with that, there's, there's so much more be- beyond that that makes us a community. Oh, oh. To anyone that is listening that may be like, well, I don't know. What, what can I learn from a diversity focus group or, you know, or, or you know, uh, or I, I don't know where I would fit in what, or, or how I could help? What would you say to that person that may be listening? Um, I would say. It, why, 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 why is this for me? I would say showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we. We believe in leave, you know, no one left behind, and and making our mark. We we're a part of an organization that's about making our mark. Right. And um, make your mark. Show up. Be a good wingman. Be a good airman. Be a good member in society. Um, we all have something to learn. 
Um, I, I still, I look at my kids. Um, they teach me every day. Mm. Um, I engage with airmen who are half my age at this point, which is sad. <laughs> yeah, sad. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> sad, sad. But, um, you know, I, I learn something by just talking. Right. And, and even bigger than that. I learned something by just listening. Right. Um, so why join a focus group? Why, how can you help, um, especially if you don't identify as a sharing group? Because um, it takes a village. Right. Yeah. You know, um, because one person can't do it on their own. I'm going to get cliche-ish. Um, <laughs> I can think of a lot of different cliches, but I think, you know, because if you care enough to be in and if you care enough to say, I will go die for this person, mm-hmm. then you should care enough to get to know that person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Sergeant Hannah, for your time. I appreciate just everything that you've said today. Uh, please, where, can, where can we uh, find the, the diversity council ones in? So diversity council uh, and the focus groups, they kind of meet in together. Uh, We kick off the meeting with the diversity council and then we break off into our focus groups. We meet on Saturdays um, of drill, usually 1130, sometimes 1230. We meet after the uh, our top three meeting happens. Uh, So, yeah, please stay tuned. And and also one other thing to put out there is um, I am retiring. Um, (laughs) So. There is an HRA slot open. Please um, put your name in for it. If, if I said anything that hit a soft space in your heart. And, and you know, I, this is a podcast, so unless you know me, you don't really know me. <laughs> I'm a black female. Okay. DE&I professionals, there is no specific type. I see. It's do you have the passion and do you believe? You have to have those things. Everything else comes. They train you. They prepare you. They give you the knowledge. Do you have passion and do you believe? Um, those are the only really requ- requ- There are other requirements like rank and, and okay. some other oh. things. But but at the at the end of the day, the person who I would like to hand off to 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 help learn before I retire out um i would like them to have passion and heart everything else will come right on well thank you thank you so much again i appreciate your time we'll talk to you soon hopefully maybe before your retirement so you can get some more stories from me but thank you um this is uh sergeant jay whitaker here with senior master sergeant hayner we're out we had a chance to catch up with newly promoted staff sergeant tammy cabral She talked about her family's heritage, her role at the 102nd Intelligence Wing, and what she thought about her participation with the recent focus groups that were held during annual training. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening to this. This is Sergeant Jay Whitaker, and I am here with Senior Airman Cabral. Um, We're just uh, wrapping up our June AT training weekend, our training week, and I wanted to talk to you uh, just because we've had some great focus groups with the Diversity Council, and um, Senior Eric Cabral really kicked it off 
uh, on the first day with the Lunch and Learn for Hispanic Latino, uh, uh, the the Hispanic Latino Lunch and Learn, that which was very informative, and I just wanted to uh, talk to you today. How First of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah. It's that's almost the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> almost the end of the week. Okay, yep. You just almost there. training's going good. And yep. Everything else is gravy, and, and yep. you're feeling good about uh, about everything. So real quick, I just want to get into uh, you kicked off the Lunch and Learns, and I felt like you set a great tone for, you know, all the focus groups moving forward. Uh, you prepared some amazing food for us. Uh, first of all, could you tell us about uh, just what what it was like doing the, uh, preparing all that food and getting the Lunch and Learn? Tell me about that process. And Yeah, so um – the past few months have been a little busy, so it was kind of like last minute, like, what do I do? How do I, how do I um, portray? How do I show my culture right. um, to other people? So food is something everyone likes, and I feel like that brings everyone together. Um, so all the food that I ordered and brought in were um, either from a family uh, member or a family friend that I personally knew that have small businesses. So it was awesome to also incorporate that, um, supporting small businesses and, you know, um, for them, too, it was pretty awesome to know that, oh, I was bringing it to a military base, Air Force, and celebrate our culture and, uh, you know, enjoy what you do. Absolutely. Uh, what was what were some of the items that were uh, so, prepared? So um, we had um, Dominican paellas, mm-hmm. which was the rice cooked with the seafood. I remember um, that. Very good. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> we had the pastelitos um, with chicken and cheese and beef and cheese. All right. Empanadas, um, you know, um, really good. We had the Brazilian... Which is like a cheese bread. Yes. Uh, y- y- y'all were still making. <laughs> for those listening, they were still making these in the oven. That y'all kept bringing them out because those, <laughs> those, everybody just kept eat, gobbling those up. So th- those are very, those are very tasty. So thank you. Yep. <laughs> we had um, tres leches cake. Um, we had brigadeiros, which were like the chocolate balls. And then we had like the yeah. the grape filled one, which was popular. Right. <laughs> that, that Was that the one with the sparkles on it? Yeah. Yep, that, was a, that was a delicious one. I love that one. That was very good. Uh, so uh, then we had flan uh, as flan, well. Flan, yeah. yes. Um, another popular one was the peanut candy. Yeah. The ground peanut. Yeah. I <laughs> I ate a lot that day, okay? <laughs> like I heard it, it was similar to Inside of Reese's. That was like the best comparison. Yeah, no, it was it was it was great and um it was just a it was an it was a beautiful day. Um and you and you had your you had a special guest with, with yes, you that I day. I had my sister. Um shout out to her. She <laughs> if without her it wouldn't be possible to make it. So it was very a good moment to have her with me here and celebrate our culture and to see like you know my side my military culture as well right um, well and so i guess the my follow up question is just these lunch and learns why do you feel that they're important to to not you know to airmen in, in the air force and um i think it's important to know everyone's story especially this week was amazing yeah. you know listen to everyone um share their story and you know you put a story to a face and it makes it more family yeah. i feel like that's the difference between the other branches you know we always say air force is a family and i feel like it's really important to know where people come from what they've been through to be here today mm-hmm. um like i said most people take it for granted you know you turn 18 i want to join the military but for some people it's not like that or um you know for anything in general it's it was really important to me to share um and celebrate you know the latino hispanic culture and, you know, to be part of them today. Well, um, so real quick, while getting it, while you talk about your story, uh, 
and everybody has a story. What exactly is your story? Where does it kick off? Where does your Air Force journey begin? <laughs> if you could take us through that. Yeah, so um, my parents uh, moved to the America in 1999. They were uh, recently married. Mm-hmm. So I'm an anchor baby. My mom <laughs> <laughs> arrived. She was pregnant in August of 99. And then I was born in December of 99 here. Um, so, you know, everything I am, I owe to my mom, to my parents for the sacrifice they made, leaving everyone Everything behind. Um, Where they moved from, if you don't? Um, São Paulo, Brazil. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, we came straight. To, they came straight to Boston, Mass, where I was born. Mm-hmm. And then when I turned one, um, my grandparents and my aunt were able to come, so we moved to Fall oh. River, where I grew up. Right. Um, you know, my whole life. Um, so my Air Force journey <laughs> actually um, was through my mom. We have a, oh, wow. a family friend. That was in the guard. He's actually at the 104th. Okay. Um, and then he was like, oh, um, I think you'd be good for Tammy. And I never thought I would be in the military, yeah. you know, something I never thought about. And I was a senior in high school. Um, didn't really know how I was going to go to college, that whole thing. Um, and I started looking into it. And after that, um, it sounded interesting. My mom definitely was supportive from day one, you know. Um, and then I enlisted on my brother's birthday. In 2018, you know, went straight to tech school, BMT, and all that, and I came back, um, and I thought I was just going to do the weekend a month, um, you know, go to college, Um, and right after my mess days, my training days, um, I was asked uh, if I wanted to stay a little longer, because I was doing a good job, you know, helping out the office, which is very (laughs) understaffed. Um, It happens. Yeah. (laughs) It happens. So I accepted the temp AGR, and um, straight into that, um, an actual AGR spot opened up. So I applied for it, you know, got it, and I've been here ever since. So That's awesome. I haven't That's been awesome. a day off order since. Oh wow! So you the day I left for VMT. <laughs> oh wow! That's that's good. No break of service. Yeah, so it was okay. kind of perfect. You know, um, I feel like it was meant to be. Right. You know. And so, and your family's proud, and yes, definitely. Um, you know, pride and joy with the family. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's very awesome to to see that, and I know my mom is like, oh. Um, shows me off, but you know I'm not mad because, like, she's proud. Right. And if it wasn't for her, for her sacrifice to be here, you know, um, it made it worth it. Yeah. To, I feel like, as a mom, I'm not a mom, but you know, for her to see, wow, it was worth it for me doing all that, yeah. and sh- all the struggles we went through, you know, to be successful, have a successful family. My sister is also in college, doing a great job, yeah. killing it. She's doing neuroscience up in Boston, Manual College, you know, so. You know, it's it's awesome. <laughs> I have no words but gratitude for everything. What would you say to uh, anyone that's out there, maybe listening or thinking about joining the Air Force? Or, um, what would you say to that? Um, I recommend it to anyone I talk to. Okay. You know, um, it's an awesome place to be um, and definitely worth a shot, you know. For in all the reasons, there's so many, you know, s- the reason I joined was for college, but yeah. then it became much more than that. Right. After. So it's definitely worth a try. And, you know, I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> in your spare time, what do you like to do when you're, when, um, when you're not cooking, when you're not <laughs> hanging out with your neuroscience sister? Uh, what, do, what do you do for fun? So um, we have a really musical family. Um, I started playing violin when I was four. Okay. Um, I started playing in the church when I was 10. Um, my mom plays um, organ, piano, flute, guitar. My sister plays the flute as well. My little brother is kind of anything he touches, he kind of play. So we like to get together, sing, um, play. We're v- very involved in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, that's usually what I'm doing. Okay, so when we deploy, uh, if and when you deploy, we will bring a violin for you. You know, <laughs> have you have it on deck, ready to go. Right. So, but no, uh, Aaron Cabral. I want to first of all, again, thank you so much for coming out and just sharing your story with us. It means a lot uh, to us over here at the PA office, and uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, and <laughs> next. And, I hope there's more lunch and learns because if you get to make more food, I'm I'm not gonna right, I'm not gonna be end. mad at that. <laughs> so, so many. but thank you so much for uh, taking uh, your time uh, today with us to to come speak with us. Yep, so, thank you for having me. Have a great Air Force day. Yep. See ya. The 102nd Intelligence Wing Force Development Office reminds airmen of the importance of the Community College of the Air Force in this clip inspired by Monty Python's Flying Circus. Take a moment to find the full video of the PSA on the wing's social media, such as Facebook and Instagram. It is a really entertaining watch. Hey there, have you gotten your CCF degree yet? No, I'm enrolled in civilian college. I'll be getting my bachelor's in spring. Why would I go through the extra work to get an unrelated associate's degree? Well, CCF degrees are credited to the Air University. Also, regardless of other degrees or um, credits that you have through civilian courses, you're automatically enrolled in CCF through basic training. Wow, I didn't expect I'd already be enrolled in my CCAF. Nobody expects to be automatically enrolled in CCAF. Well, your force development office would. And now you will too. And did you know that you're automatically enrolled based on your AFSC? And not only that, you actually get credits for your tech school based on your AFSC. And you also get actual credits towards your ALS and COA, senior and COA, and any other follow-on courses that you may take and when you get your five skill level. And also, some of your civilian courses that you took may actually apply. And if you don't have many of those, you can actually club too. <laughs> oh yeah. Thanks CCF, I can handle this. You've probably already gotten the majority of your CCF credits through tech school. And if you're taking college classes, you may transfer applicable credits to, from your civilian college to CCF. You can check to see what credits you have or need just by going to the Air Force Virtual Education Center located in the Air Force portal. And then once you are in AFEC, you go to Student Services in the left-hand side near the bottom of the page. Well, it's really great, but with the degree I already have, I just don't see the point in going through the extra work. I just don't expect to need my CCAF. Nobody expects to need use in their CCAF. Except you do need it because it helps with professional growth and career transition. It also can help you secure a job or grow in your civilian career. Also, if you plan on staying in the Guard and you want to get promoted to Senior Master Sergeant or Chief Master Sergeant, you're going to need your CCF degree or college equivalent. Yes, you do. As I was saying, your CCF degree is useful and important. And if you probably got most of your credits completed through courses you've taken during your time in the military. Under Student Services and AFEC, you can see all the current and past program enrollments and statuses. Click on the program title to open your progress report where you can view degree requirements and see which courses you have taken, how many credit hours were awarded, and where those credits were applied within your CCF degree requirements. In the transcript tab, right? You can view or print an, official, an unofficial CCF transcript or order your CCF official transcript or submit a transcript from another institution to CCF. Goes both ways. We recommend having transcripts sent from your institution electronically. It's generally faster. Additionally, you can check which civilian courses you may transfer by clicking on transfer credit 
then civilian course conversion table in the online student services window. By searching for your college, you can find specific courses you have taken or plan to take and see if CCF accepts them for your specific program. Once all needed credits have been completed, as identified by your progress report in your CCF program, you have, and you have obtained your five level in your AFSC, notify the Force Development Office and they'll nominate you for your graduation. I never expected that getting my CCAF would be so easy. I never expected getting my CCAF would be so easy. Um, well, yes. Nobody expects it to be quite so simple to receive their CCAF degree. But the Force Development Office will certainly make it seem that way. For more information, contact the 102nd Intelligence Wing Force Development Office at 508-968-4187 or 4189 or 557-4187 or 4189. Additionally, you can find step-by-step -step information at Basic Education Training SharePoint. Before we go, here's a bit of a preview of our other podcast, Chevrons. From junior enlisted to senior leaders and those in between, we interview notable individuals to address everyday challenges and hurdles the enlisted force faces. In this episode, we mix the format up and have some of our outstanding junior enlisted airmen take over the show. Senior Airman Joseph Chavs, Senior Airman Clifton Clark, Staff Sergeant Chandler Parker, and Staff Sergeant Hannah Rainimi discuss their reasons for joining the Air National Guard and what would motivate them to stay in and re-enlist moving forward. Um, another reason why I would stay is the family aspect. Um, when I initially started working here, um, just one set of orders, not knowing if I was going to volunteer again. Um, it was, you know, I didn't really have much, many like expectations. Um, but I was really blown away with uh, how much I have bonded so far um, with my coworkers, and um, I, I really like to work here. You know, truthfully, honestly, like I really like working here so far, and I could see it going consecutive, consecutive years in the future. Yeah. Um, a quick background, something you know, a little personal story that I've actually experienced lately that I've actually been very blown away. Uh, so two weeks ago, so two Sundays ago, I got into a very terrible car accident on the highway. I uh, flipped my car on the highway going highway speed. Um, somehow I crawled out of that incident unharmed and neither was the other operator. Um, but it was a very life-changing moment for me. And um, the reason why I'm telling the story is because the amount of support that I got from my supervision, my coworkers, uh, I was really blown away. Um, it was an extremely traumatic experience for me. And just thinking about it, you know, I think about it right now every day I wake up. I'm very, it's very tough for me to drive right now. Mm. Um, but I remember I came into work two days, um, two days after the incident just to prove to my coworkers that I'm physically okay. And also to, you know, let supervision know of all the details. And um, you know, it was a little early for me to come into work after that experience. But um, my supervision, both officer and enlisted, I was blown away by the amount of support that I got. And everyone letting them, letting me know how much they're gonna be there for me and if there's anything that they, they can do to help me feel better every step of the way um, was very, not, not surprised, you know, I'm not gonna say I didn't expect that, but it was very um, beneficial and it really helped me mentally to recover from the situation. 
Um, and this is coming from people that you either speak to every day, mm-hmm. or these are people that you walk by every day and they don't even look at you. But these people, you know, these coworkers are going out of their way to make me feel safe and make me feel like I'm not alone. And um, that's one very big reason why I was staying here because, because, you know, you don't really get that. There's very few places in the world in the work for, in the workspace that you would actually get that energy from the people that you work beside. Um, I've worked, I've had a variety of different jobs, and I can tell you, I used to be a bartender, I used to work in retail, I'm not, I'm not going to get that in retail, no, um, but again, yeah, uh, the big family aspect, and you know, we're all one together, and we all do everything, everything we can to help each other out, um, no matter what the situation is, is what I like about this place a lot. Thanks for listening to The Seagull. Have a great 4th of July weekend, and enjoy the great weather and have some fun. See you back here for the August RSD. Did you know that July is Lasagna Awareness Month? To quote lasagna expert and aficionado, Garfield the Cat, with all due respect to Will Rogers, I never met a lasagna I didn't like. Coincidentally, July is also National Culinary Arts Month. So while you are celebrating at your favorite Italian restaurant with that perfect combination of noodly goodness layered with cheese and meat, make sure you thank the chef for their hard work and devotion to their craft. For more news from the 102nd Intelligence Wing, visit our website at www.102iw.ang.af.mil links or search for 102iw on any major social media platform.